Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so guess what kids we hit the 50 dollars level on patreon <laughs> so first up on the docket will be a commentary track for double dragon the dumpster fire that is 1994's double dragon yay question mark and I gotta we gotta give a shout out to our newest Patreon and the man that put us over the fifty dollar level, uh, Mr. Randy Bailey, woo, who also, by the way, sent me a copy of Sonic on Blu-ray for my birthday, nice. which was awesome, and I got it in the mail today, so I know what I'm watching after the show tonight. You gotta check out the special features. Oh, There's that's some the really first thing ones. I'm going for. Special features, baby. <laughs> yeah, there's um. There's a gag reel. There's, I think, a couple of deleted scenes. My favorite thing, though, is there's a feature with Jim Carrey about how he like played Robotnik. Yeah. Like his motivation behind Robotnik, which is really good. Dude, if he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, I'm going to be very angry. He He's just going to unleash all of his robots <laughs> on everybody. <laughs> God, that movie's so good. If you've not seen Sonic, it's better than it deserves to be. I, I will show. I was going to save this for the end of the show, but you know, with baseball not happening at my work, we've been doing movie nights uh, on Saturdays, and not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we will be playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's so awesome! You, you can uh, come out to the stadium. You can sit wherever you want. You can sit in the stands. You can sit on the field. Tickets are only five bucks. That's not bad, man. Oh, Joey so, Image has joined us in the chat room. Yeah, Joey shout out Image, to Joey Rampage. Image. Rampage. Good evening, fellas. Yeah, thanks for watching. Um, so how has your week been? I know you've been getting pretty busy with the uh, the new gigs. Yeah, so I've been working pretty much every night. Um, well, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night with you know all the all the stuff we've been doing uh, at work. We're doing trivia on Thursdays. We started doing um, bingo nights on um, Fridays, and then our movie nights on Saturdays. So those have been pretty busy. And then I picked up a side job actually hosting trivia at a couple of bars around town, and that starts uh, actually this Monday. So if you're in Pensacola, I'll be hosting trivia at Odd Colony Brewing uh, in downtown Pensacola uh, right off of Palafox Street. And then Tuesdays, this is, I know this is going to be a regular thing. I don't know if the Odd Colony thing is going to be regular or not, but hmm. I will be hosting trivia at Big Top Brewing Company every Tuesday at 6 p.m. So, so do you have to come up with the questions, or are you just the host? I'm just the host. Okay. So, no, the, the guy who runs the actual, like, trivia side business comes up with all the questions okay. and just sends me the link to it. And then uh, he gave me a speaker and a microphone and i literally just show up with all the stuff 
set it up, host trivia, and then when it's done, give out prizes. That's so cool. And then we're done. <laughs> it's not bad. It should be fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be, it's going to make things like, you know, doing my show a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I get around it, you know, with, I've done it, I've gotten around with it with baseball before, so I can get around it with this. So. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. But other than that, you know, just really kind of doing that. We are doing um, Marvel Cinematic Universe trivia. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, uh, it'll be tonight at 7 p.m. at Blue Wahoo Stadium. And I will say this, it ain't going to be easy. <laughs> now, th these I come up with the questions for. Yeah. And I, I, I came up with some good ones. Um, I know you've got the uh, the wrestling challenge thing you have to do soon too, which I did for um, Brandon Rutledge on his yeah, YouTube that channel. Go? Me and me and Wally did the tri wrestling trivia challenge. We're not well. I, I would say that me and Wally's uh, a lot of our knowledge stops after a certain point. <laughs> like, a lot of the the newer stuff we're not as familiar with. Like Wally's more of a '90s, early 2000s wrestling guy, and I'm more of a '80s, early '90s. So a lot of mine were guesses, but a lot of times I guessed right and somehow managed to lead the game until the very end, until Wally came back for a glorious come from behind victory. Yeah, I still need to check it out. I, I'll I'll do that definitely this weekend. But yeah, I'm gonna do that. I think Sunday night is when. Yeah, it's Sunday night when when I'm gonna do Brandon's show. So it should be fun. Yeah. He uh, funny enough, he actually tested uh, used me as a guinea pig for mm -hmm. your guys' questions. That's what he was saying. <laughs> and like he so, said, you you were killing it with the uh, the. The championship, all, name all, all, like, what was it, like 54 uh, yeah. holders of the the heavyweight championship belt. I, I think I got, and there, there were ones that I could have swore were were champions, but they never held the belt, and that was, that was eye-opening for me. You'd be surprised, <laughs> like, I'll throw Roddy Piper out there. He was never, yeah, he never WWE did. champion, but I which is shocking. See, I lost because I thought that um, Jesse the Body Ventura held the the title, um, like in the late seventies, early eighties, um, when WWE was or WWF was still like a territory in New York, but mm -hmm. he never held it, and I, and that's what I lost on. I don't know what what type of stuff Brandon's got in store for me because I have a feeling he's going to be much harder on me. Yeah, <laughs> gee. Joey Emmons should have been there for, for that. He'd be perfect for uh, the wrestling challenge. He would destroy me in wrestling challenge. <laughs> me too. Um, I don't have much going on lately other than that. I mean, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I can't really think of anything right now. I took a nap a little while ago, and I'm all loopy. <laughs> uh, naps are great. No, I took one Sunday Yeah, because I had to run by my office to grab something. I got back here at like 9.30, slept for two hours, woke up and just like, I forgot what I made for lunch, but I just had yeah. like a, I had a lazy, um, I had a very lazy weekend. I got, I got home from work, ate dinner and then passed out for like two hours. So my brain is like soup right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
but perfect I don't know way about, to do a podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go into the news for this week. We got some good stuff. From NintendoLife.com, the Super Game Boy is now 26 years old. If you're as old as some of us here at Nintendo Life, you might have fond memories of the Super Game Boy. It was an adapter cartridge for the Super Nintendo that allowed you to play Game Boy and dual mode Game Boy Color cartridges on the big screen. Some games like Pokemon titles even had fancy borders and color palettes. Uh, it has been exactly 26 years since Nintendo released this device on the Super Famicom in Japan. Um, the cartridge peripheral got an upgrade in 98 with the Japan-only Super Game Boy 2. And later down the line, Nintendo released the transfer pack on the N64 and eventually the Game Boy Player on the GameCube. When the digital era finally arrived, it began offering its older Game Boy and Game Boy titles on the 3DS eShop. Um... I was actually interested in buying a Super Game Boy like last year, and they used to be like five, ten bucks. And then all of a sudden, right when I wanted to buy one, they shot up to like thirty, forty dollars. And I don't know why, because they they still have the same amount of inventory at the retro game shops. They just went way up in price for for some reason. I've never really understood why that happens. Like, what what's the timing that makes them think, oh, we got to jack the price up on these things? I don't know. It's weird. I can't remember if it might have been Pensacon. It might have been last year that I got a Super Game Boy. Yeah. But no, I, I like this article. I have very fond memories of the Super Game Boy, specifically playing the Pokemon games. Because it's mentioned here with certain games you would get um, different borders and some games would even be in color. Like I know the the 94 uh, Donkey Kong game was that way too. Like the border looked like the old arcade mm -hmm. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, that I thought was really cool. And Ramp uh, Rampage said Metroid 2 Return of Samus looked great on the Super Game Boy. And I do remember that game because uh, didn't you review that? And I went back and looked up some video of that on YouTube. And they had the Game Boy Color version. It did look really good. It looked like it, mm -hmm. it was it was on the just the regular NES. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was one that that I reviewed when we did uh, Metroid Month. But yeah, the the Super Game Boy was really cool. And then you know they released the transfer pack for the um, the N sixty four. I remember that specifically because in Pokemon Stadium there was an area you could go to where you plug in your Pokemon game. And then you can play like Pokemon Yellow or Gold and Silver on the N64. So, mm -hmm. really, really cool peripheral. Yeah, I still want to get I, one. I just don't want to pay like forty bucks for it. It's got to come down at some point. Yeah, not when they have like you know seven or eight of them sitting in the in the the glass case. I'm like, why? Why are you charging this much for these? Is there a dime a dozen? Maybe they should ask themselves why they're not selling any. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that too. This next story, so this, I know this This is right. I know you were excited about this. I ran through my house screaming <laughs> when I read this on IGN. Uh, this comes to us from TheVerge.com. Pokemon Snap is coming to the Nintendo Switch, and I will be getting this as soon as it comes <laughs> out. It's finally happening. Pokemon Snap is making a comeback. The classic N64 game where players simply capture photos of pocket monsters is on its way to the Nintendo Switch. 
We don't know much about the new version just yet, aside from the fact that it's called matter-of-factly new Pokemon Snap, though it's being developed by Bandai Namco. So essentially, and I reviewed the original Pokemon Snap a while back on the show, and in this, um, the new one doesn't have a release date currently, but it's very simple. You ride in this machine and you take pictures of Pokemon. So and that you, is it. Does this seem like a, a fall release or um, a Christmas release? I would say fall, but if they pushed it to Christmas, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, but I, I'll, I'll say fall is my um, is my prediction. Because I don't see this. I mean, you know, I know you love Pokemon. I know a lot of people love Pokemon Snap, but I don't see this being the the big Christmas seller. No. It'll have its cult following, much like the original game did. And the fact that this is coming out for the Switch, I mean, the Switch is the perfect console for this type of game because you can literally hold the, the console like a camera. Yeah. And, it, and if it's used that way, I think it will be really cool. But mm -hmm. I've been waiting for this for a while. I mean, I figured at some point they would announce this, and I saw the notification on IGN and was was like... <laughs> I know Derek. No, happy. I will. <laughs> but no, I will. I will definitely be getting this. I mean, I'm not nearly as familiar with the new Pokemon as I am with like the original 150 and even the generation after that with Gold and Silver. But and it does. It's not going to make the game any less fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm. I'm definitely getting it. I, I figure you would. I figure you're a day one purchaser. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, this next story came to us from uh, Carlos, our listener Carlos Longoria, uh, on the uh, the Gmail NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. This is from NicheGamer.com. Mel Winkler, voice of Crash Bandicoot's Aku Aku, passed away at 78. Um, best known for his voice of Aku Aku in the Crash Bandicoot games, passed away at 78. Uh, Hollywood Reporter reports that Winkler died peacefully in his sleep of unknown causes on June 11th. He is survived by his two children and four grandchildren. His career extends across live action and voice acting, best known in the mainstream for films such as uh, Joppy and Devil in a Blue Dress, Melvin and Doc Hollywood, I love that movie, and Coach White and Coach Carter, along with the TV series Oswald as Johnny Snowman. In the world of voice acting, he was known for Aku Aku, as well as Lucius Fox and the new Batman Adventures. Um, a spokesman for his family, Courtney Benson, told The Hollywood Reporter that Winkler was a consummate professional who was always willing to share his knowledge and wisdom on any given subject. His infectious smile and love for family will forever be missed. He was a giant among many. I mean, 78 is... That's a, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good run. run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it, I mean, for I those mean, who quite a for, quite a, a resume too. I mean, you know, these are some pretty big movies, and of course, the Batman Ventures, like those, that's some good stuff to have on the resume. I completely forgot that he was in Coach Carter yeah. or in Doc Hollywood, which I haven't seen Doc Hollywood in a long time. Yeah, me either. But but it's, I it's, love it's that. It's a movie. super underrated movie. Mm -hmm. But for those who have never played Crash Bandicoot before, you have just like a general idea. Aku Aku is the giant floating mask that um, you collect that essentially keeps you from dying. But in the sequels, he actually became a character as opposed to just almost like an item in yeah. a way. And he was like the, the wise old sage type of character. But That's I mean, cool. 
Yeah, so now it's you know it's it's sad news, but I mean seventy eight is like we said that's a that's yeah. a heck of a run. I hope I can make it seventy eight. <laughs> I feel like I might I might die at forty five probably. <laughs> no, I don't think like that. Uh, but rest in peace, Mel Winkler. You will be missed. Yes, sir. And our last story comes to us from CNET. Dot com. I actually haven't been to this website in forever. I mean, either. Nintendo just launched a new free Switch game. Jump Rope Challenge will cost you $0 until October. Though parts of the world are slowly emerging from coronavirus lockdown, we're all still spending far more time at home than usual. Nintendo knows that and wants to give you another avenue to be active in your living room or bedroom or any room. The Japanese gaming giant launched Jump Rope Challenge on Monday night, a cute game that uses your Switch Joy-Con controllers as skipping ropes. The best part, of course, is that it's free, or at least it's free for now. It said Jump Rope Challenge can be downloaded from its eShop at no cost from now until the end of September. I mean, I think it's cool that they're putting out, you know, a free game, and I'd be interested to try it, even though I probably wouldn't make it like 30 seconds before I died. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to do jump rope on the Switch or yeah. in real Like, I don't know. I don't want to jump rope. That just sounds yeah. awful. Yeah, but, I mean, I do other things like to be active, but I don't know. Jump rope has never appealed to me. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that though. some of their developers were probably on lockdown and just needed something to do, so they just developed a jump rope game. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I love like, how this says, though, parts of the world are slowly emerging. Like, if, if you're Florida, we're, like, yeah. we're back. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> you guys you guys were a little, jumped the gun. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen, but, I yeah. mean, because we, we didn't want to shut down anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a hoax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In June of 1978, Taito, or Taito, releases Space Invaders in Japan. The worldwide success of Space Invaders marks the beginning of the golden age of arcade video games. It sets the template for the fixed shooter genre and influences most subsequent shooters. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> no, I had this one. I still got my copy of this for the 2600. Something I love to see at any type of arcade or even like a hotel that I go to is just the giant Space Invaders machine. Oh, yeah. There was when I went to Vegas last year, I stayed at the um at the MGM Grand. They had a ginormous Space Invaders machine. Yeah, we like have bigger one. than you would see in a normal arcade and it was freaking amazing. Yeah, we have one here at uh, uh Margaritaville. It's huge. And we have like the world's largest Pac-Man machine. I got to come down there one day and check that out. Yeah, you do. Let's see. In June of 1981, Konami releases Frogger in Japan. Who doesn't love Frogger? Oh, I love Frogger. I'll play Frogger any time of the day. That was another one of those uh, games for the Game Boy that I would play quite a bit. I mean, I know it's obviously for systems older than that, but my distinct memory is playing Frogger on uh on car trips 
I still want, I, I love Frogger. Frogger's great. Still one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes too. When George for, is trying to get the Frogger machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good episode. Uh June of nineteen eighty three. Uh Yuji Hor how do you say that last name? Hori? June y- Yuji sure. Yuji Hori releases the Portopia serial murder case for the NEC P6 PC6001 in Japan. It is influential adventure game that lays the foundations for the visual novel genre. I have never heard of this before in my life. I haven't either. The um let's see what year did this come out? Okay, oh, so this yeah, was it looks kind of like that point and click type. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell it's very early on in the oh, yeah. the computer game age. Yeah. I like the name though. It sounds like a the name of a mystery book I would have read as a kid. Yeah. What the hell is a Portopia? <laughs> I don't know, but I want one. <laughs> sounds a little uh, delicious. Yeah. In June of nineteen eighty seven, Codemasters releases Dizzy the Ultimate Cartoon Adventure. Ooh, what is this? Oh, actually, I had a story for this that I put in the news, and then I took it back out because I wasn't sure anybody would know what Dizzy was. Have you played Dizzy before? No, I have not, but I remember it. Um, Let me look. You you read the next one. I'm going to look up something real quick. Okay. Uh, June 6th of 1993, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is released for the Game Boy in Japan. I actually just finally beat the remastered Link's Awakening. It was one of those things like I was looking for something to play on the Switch and I saw the Link's Awakening icon on my menu and I was like mm-hmm. I don't think I ever beat it. And sure enough, I had like two dungeons left to go before <laughs> I got to the final boss, so That's beat it cool. over the um over the weekend. Yeah, this uh this story was on nintendolife.com. It's the Evercade Retro system to receive Oliver Twins collection cartridge. All profits will go to charity. A brand new collection of games has been revealed for the Evercade retro system. With all profits uh, being donated to a great cause, the Oliver Twins collection will feature 11 games in total, including 7 titles from the Dizzy series. Just like previous releases, the 11 games will be released on a single cartridge, which can be used with the console uh, either in handheld mode or on your TV via HDMI. Uh, it's got Treasure Island Dizzy, BMX Simulator, Fantastic Dizzy, Super Robin Hood, Go Dizzy Go, Dizzy the Adventure, Panic Dizzy, Dream World Pogi, Firehawk, Wonderland Dizzy, and Mystery World Dizzy. And if you look at um, the official site, it is evercade.co.uk. Um, we talked about this Evercade not too long ago. It's like a little handheld system, and it's really cool. It's uh, eighty bucks um, in American, and I will actually would want to have one of these. This looks cool. Sounds like you'd be dizzy. Yeah, a lot of dizzy titles. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mixmaster uh, in the chat asked, "How good is the Link's Awakening remake?" I personally loved it. I mean, it, it took. It took everything that was great about the original, and I mean, just everything like with the the bright, colorful environment, 
it has that classic, you know, like as much as I love Breath of the Wild, I loved going back and playing like an old school yeah. top down Zelda game. I still it was go great. Back and play it. I still haven't played it. I I would highly recommend it. I think you would like it. I think that's going to be my next. Well, no, I have to get Retromania Wrestling next because we're supposed to do a review of that. Yeah, I got to get that too. Yeah, I've noticed their uh, their Twitter polls they've been doing or their yeah. Twitter questions <laughs> that have been really good. God, I can't wait to play it, man. That game's going to be so cool. Um, when does it come out? Uh, uh, early, like the seventh or something next month. Okay, I think. Nice. I'll look at it. I know it's really soon, like within the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's see. June 25th of 1993, LucasArts releases Maniac Mansion 2 Day of the Tentacle for PC. Did I ever review that? Because I bought the remaster on Steam. Was it uh, the year before? Because I know I did Maniac Mansion. I know I did that for the NES, but then I got Day of the Tentacle, and I don't know if I ever reviewed that. I don't think you did, but stand by. Let me check the uh, the discography. Because if I didn't, I'm going to have to go back and do that. Because I was playing it, and then it just it kind of fell off the radar. And I don't remember if I did it or not. See, Maniac. You have not. No. Okay, well, that's going to be a, a review coming up soon. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That was a good game, too. I was enjoying that. Because it, it had, like, they redid pretty much everything for it. And it was so cool. I, I like the cover. Games. It looks like a comic book. Yeah, I mean, all the graphics in it, it looks like you're playing like a, 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 a cartoon from the 90s. Like it's oh, got nice. that total 90s vibe to it. Yeah. Let's see. June of 1997, Amcus releases Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo in North America. This was a game that, for a time, I was very addicted to. As a kid, you you mentioned Animal Crossing and mm -hmm. turnips. Well, you could grow turnips in Harvest Moon, <laughs> and I I grew a lot of them. You could grow uh, turnips, potatoes, uh, corn, tomatoes. Like what was cool was as you would progress through the game, the seasons would change, mm -hmm. and you could only grow like certain things. Like you'd only grow tomatoes and corn uh, in the um, in the summer. Yeah. So you'd have to try and get as much money as you can or, or store some because then you'd have to wait a full year before you could get it again. Well, they have a Harvest Moon game for the Switch I've been seeing. It's always on in the $20 bin at Walmart, and I've been tempted to get it a few times. Yeah. Funny enough, I haven't actually played a Harvest Moon game since the original one. Yeah, I've never played one. Uh, it's it's I feel like after playing Animal Crossing, I'm like, hmm, should I try this Harvest Moon thing? That's one of the reasons why I don't give you guys crap about <laughs> Animal Crossing. Is I'm like, I've I've been there, just in a a different situation. Dude, Animal Crossing is like crack, man. I've noticed. I, I've been <laughs> I've been fighting the temptation to get it, but like, there's a part of me that really wants to. Oh, you're gonna finally get it once all of us are not playing it anymore, and you're like, man, I don't have any islands to go to. <laughs> like, guys, I've tried out this brand new game called Animal Crossing. Yeah. Ever heard of it? Uh, let's see. Well, we got one more. Uh, June 29th of 1998, Rare releases Banjo Kazooie for the Nintendo 64. Man, I've heard a lot of banter lately on uh, podcasts and stuff about people really wanting Banjo-Kazooie uh, as a, a complete new series, like a new Banjo-Kazooie game from Rare. 
you talk about like day one purchase. I will throw Pokemon Snap in the trash for Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> I mean, I've I've said it before. You know, I, when I reviewed this a while back, and anytime we've talked about it, to me, it is the perfect 3D platformer. I actually prefer this game to Mario 64. It's in my top three of N64 games. I'd my top three would probably be Banjo Kazooie. Um, Ocarina of Time and GoldenEye would probably be the the third one. Yeah. But it, it's just such an incredible game. <clears throat> and the, the sequel to it is is not bad. It's they made it a bigger game, which is good in some ways, bad in some, but I think now would be a prime time for for Banjo to come back. I mean, people went nuts when he was included in the Smash Brothers game. Yeah. Just the thing that sucks is I think it would be an Xbox exclusive if it were. Probably. I don't know. I mean, maybe Nintendo and and Windows were getting kind of cozy there for a little while, so... Because playing playing a Banjo game on a Nintendo console, like, that's just right. Yeah. Man, we we got a full chat room right now. What's up, fellas? And, and ladies, if there are any ladies in there, I doubt. I don't know if ladies uh, really like the retro game stuff, but <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah, Human Rogue Banjo is my favorite from N sixty four. Yeah, it's it's an amazing game. There was a remaster. Well, not a, a full remaster, but it was re released for the Xbox three sixty uh, Live Arcade. Uh, and they just kind of like brightened up the graphics a bit, but man, if they did a full remaster, like they did, like they like they've been doing, with the style that, of how he looked in um, uh, Smash Brothers, all for it. Yeah, uh, Joey Emma says uh, the, uh, the wife is here with with him. Uh, hi, Angela. <laughs> I'm gonna go visit those guys soon. So nice. She, so she can make me some more Italian food. <laughs> Italian food would be great. That uh, sounds so good right now. Yeah. But, well, let's uh, see. Yeah, Sergeant Sketch also it was on the Rare Replay collection. Oh, I yeah. about that. <laughs> I said she waved. Um, <laughs> but let's go ahead and go into the shout-outs because I'm ready to get into my rant for tonight. <laughs> oh, I didn't make popcorn. Ah, oh, go make Crap. popcorn real quick. Here, grab, grab a beer. And then strap in. Uh, Let's see. So we mentioned at the beginning we passed the $50 level on our Patreon, and that's all thanks to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to give a shout-out to Armez Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Sergeant Sketch, and the newest member to the Patreon family, Randy Bailey. So we will be doing a commentary track of Double Dragon that I know I'm very much looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I mean, in all seriousness, the commentary tracks are probably my favorite episodes that we do. Oh yeah, like I, I still say the Mario Brothers commentary track is my favorite episode of Nerd Cave Retro. Oh, I I, I have a feeling Double Dragon's going to be even worse than uh, Super Mario Brothers. Well, the thing is, like with Mario Brothers, I could at least remember some of it. I remember nothing about Double Dragon. Yeah, I don't either. I don't remember a single thing about it. 
and I'm not doing what I did with Mario Brothers. I am not watching it beforehand. I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna take the Jason Robbins approach. Yeah. I'm going in cold. Go in cold. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I there's no way I could torture myself twice with with especially like Super Mario Brothers. One time was enough. <laughs> that was it. I was done. Yeah. No way I could have watched that twice. <sighs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> If uh, you want to contribute to our Patreon, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight, I am talking about... ActRaiser is a 1990 platform and city-building simulation game for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System developed by Quintet and published by Enix, combining traditional side-scrolling platforming with urban planning god game sections. A sequel was released for the Super NES in 1993, and in 2007, ActRaiser became available on the Wii's Virtual Console uh, and a version of the game was also released for European mobile phones in 2004. Uh, the plot follows a godlike being known as the Master God in the Japanese version and his fight against Tanzra, Satan in the Japanese version, also referred to as the Evil One. Uh, the Master was, according to the instruction booklet, you remember back in the day when instruction book booklets actually gave you the backstory of games? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what this does. The Master was defeated in battle with Tanzra and his six lieutenants. The Master retreated to his sky palace to tend to his wounds and fell into a deep sleep. In the Master's absence, Tanzra divided the world into six lands, one for each of his lieutenants. They later turned the people to evil. After several hundred years, the Master awakens fully recovered to discover that he has lost his powers due to the lack of belief in him. As the game progresses, the Master defeats Tanzra's lieutenants and recovers his powers by rebuilding the civilizations of his people and communicating with them through prayer. After all lieutenants have been slain, the Master commences an assault on Tanzra's stronghold, Death Helm, uh, wait, Death Heim, eventually defeating him. After his defeat, the Master and his servant revisit the many civilizations that they had helped build and observe the people. During their observations, they note that nobody is at the temple worshiping the master. Servant become, uh, observes that although the people once prayed to the master in times of trouble, they no longer feel the need to because they are not in danger. The master and his servant then enter the sky palace and depart into the heavens to await a time when they may be needed. So that's a quite a plot going into this game. And this is one of the very first games that I ever saw pictures for when they uh, and Nintendo Power when they were um, showing screenshots of different games. They showed a screenshot of this F Zero and uh, Super Mario World, and uh, it was the first kind of glimpse. Uh, it wasn't even the Super Nintendo yet. It was still called the, the Super Super Famicom, and they were showing, like I said, some screenshots. And I saw a screenshot of this. I was like, man, this game looks awesome. I can't wait to play this. But then, of course, the Super Nintendo came out, and I never got around to playing ActRaiser. It just kind of eventually just slipped by me, and 
and I just never got around to it. So I was always interested to play it, but never did. Cut to recently, a friend of mine actually was cleaning out. Had uh, A friend of mine got divorced and had to move back in with his dad. And he moved. He was in his old bedroom, so he was cleaning out his old bedroom and found all these old uh, Nintendo games and uh, ActRaiser for Super Nintendo and gave them all to me few weeks ago so I cleaned up ActRaiser and looks almost brand new and uh, plays really well so that was kind of my I, I had touched on this game a few times over the last few years um, playing like maybe just a few minutes of it here and there really never really duck you know dip my toes into it until I started playing this on Twitch which uh, a lot of people in our uh Twitch chat right now. We're watching me play this game. This game is... Um, it tries to do too many things and pretty much fails at everything because it tries to do too many things. You've got your side-scrolling um, areas where you are the master, but you are you take control of like a, um, a statue and you go through... And man, the the controls during the 2D platforming parts are so tanky and slow that it's really hard to time like your hits and things like that. And I don't know, it just feels like you ever play a game that just feels what's the word like sticky? Mm-hmm. Like the controls just feel sticky, and it's not. It's like the game is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. The, the the game itself is gorgeous. The background, like I could just sit and watch the backgrounds all day. And the music's great, but like they, they like I said there are it it's a genre mashing game where they try to do the 2D side scrolling platformer type levels and then you've got the overhead sort of city building stuff which is it's like the most basic city building thing you can do, but it's aggravating because like you tr- like it you try to do like this different stuff and like you're, you're constantly being stopped from what you're doing because like your people are praying to you and you have to listen to them. so you're constantly getting interrupted. you constantly have like these, you know, crazy demons and stuff coming up out of the ground and you have to direct your people to go and close these demon portals in the land and you have to close all four, each section of the land, there's six sections and in each section you have to build your city up enough to close each of the four demon portals and then you have to, once you do that, you have to come down from your sky palace and go into a side-scrolling section where you take on the boss of the section and sometimes like there's no rhyme or reason to the boss patterns there's there's only one boss that i could recognize the pattern for and that was the pharaoh head like it's it that's a really easy boss pattern the rest of them are just chaos and I was like, I was like, what this game is? Yeah, it's like they're like some of the bosses, and you could go back and look at my stream. Like some of the bosses are either 
really easy or they're just ridiculously hard and it takes you like 10 tries to get past the boss. There's like no in between. And I was getting so frustrated in this game because I would get to a boss and I'm just like, okay, is this one going to be really easy or is this one going to be, you know, just random chaos going on and I have to just pray and hit him as hard as I can, as fast as I can to try to survive. And once you get towards the end of the game, <coughs> they, you get to the end, you open up all six sections, then you, it's a Mega Man style ending where you have to defeat all of the, the six bosses before you, again, before you get to the final main boss, Satan or Tanzer or whatever his name is. But the difference between this and Mega Man is Mega Man at least has the, the, the common courtesy to refill your health bar after each boss fight. They don't do that in this game. Like, what were you thinking? I have to get through six bosses, which half of them are ridiculously hard because they have no discernible pattern whatsoever. So I'm going to... And that's another thing about this game. There's no way to not take damage in this game because you can't like there there you don't have a shield or anything like your armor is like what's the point in having armor that doesn't work half the 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 enemies like throw stuff at you and you can't dodge it you just have to take the hits and the same thing with the boss battles is like you can't not take damage in this game so how am i supposed to get through six bosses and the final boss on two lives and you know, two uh, health bars, basically. Like, how is how am I supposed to do that? I, I'm not that good. So, I, you know, I know people would be like, well, good, good. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> There's no way. Clearly, uh, Quintet and Enix's expectations were pretty high when yeah. it comes to this game. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. So, I knew of ActRaiser, but I didn't know that much about it. I had no clue that it had like city building aspects to it. I honestly thought it was just a, a platformer. Yeah. That's what I thought at first too. I didn't know about the city building stuff. And the thing is, it's so rudimentary. It's not really like your city building. Basically all you're doing is telling your people where you point them in a direction and then they go that direction and start building. And you have to put them in different directions on the map to, because there is like, like I said, in each section, there's four demon like portals that the people have to close. So basically you have to point them where to go to each portal. And sometimes they're like across a river. So you've got to like build up your city enough to where those people will learn how to build bridges. And it's just basically, it's just a time waste. Like there's no way to kind of like micromanage your cities at all it's very rudimentary i'm not gonna lie like part of me was curious about playing this game after hearing this i'm like i, I think i might be good yeah and the music's great like the music's really good but it is pretty a lot of it's really repetitive but i want you to listen to something and tell me what you think about this what's the first thing that comes in your head when you hear this 
Uh-oh, is it not going to play? Oh, wait, hold on. It's turned down. Hold on. Sorry about that. Let me turn this up. All right, here we go. You want to know what it honestly makes me think of uh-huh. is the Illusion of Gaia game. Oh, really? Which I believe was made by the same company. See, I was thinking it was. Uh, it sounded like the Super Star Wars to me. Yeah, I can see that too. So I'm wondering. Yeah, Quint- Quintet made Actraiser, Soul Blazer, Actraiser Two, Illusion of Gaia, and what is this last one? Uh, Terra Enigma, which yeah. I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing, man. Is like this. They could have done so much more with this game. But I don't know. It's like I feel like if this game would have been like on the computer, or, or I don't know. Like I just feel like maybe. But there are so many other games that do. Like that are, were bigger than this game, like the like Final Fantasy games and Secret of Mana and all those type of games that are bigger than this game, and are better at what they do. Like take up way more, I don't know. I guess disc space. Like I just don't understand why this game couldn't have been a little more polished. I guess as far as the gameplay goes. Like, it just feels so clunky and not finished. I keep going back to the whole building thing. Like, I, I, I'm i just not... I don't understand why that's even a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean maybe to make it different, but... Maybe. If you've got a good formula, because, like, Illusion of Guy is a good game. I've heard good things about Soul Blazer. And the, I don't know, man. It, it's like... The, the the side-scrolling platform stuff looks great, but it plays horribly. And, like, the, the city building, the RPG elements are, like, so basic and just, they're simple. Like, there's, like, there's nothing to really, like, what am I trying to say? Like, you know how most RPGs, like, they really rope you in because you actually feel like you get more powerful. As you go along and you, like, get more, like, you can upgrade, like, your 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 armor and, and weapons and things like that and your magic. And in this game, that just doesn't, I still feel weak as shit. <laughs> like, even no matter, you know, how much I, I go up in, you know, my level, it just, I never felt powerful or... You know, like I never felt like my magic was worth a crap. It was just, I always felt like I was severely underpowered the entire game. And then, like I said, some of the boss battles are just so frustratingly hard because I could, I just could not recognize what whatever pattern they were going for because there was no pattern. It was just random chaos all over the place. And, um, you know, a Rampage watched me, watched me play it. And even he said while I was playing, he was like, dude, there's just nothing. Like, it's just chaos in here. Like, there was one boss that looks like he's straight out of doom. And he just flies all over the screen. And I'm like, I have no 
no idea what's going on. Uh, has Jay played, uh, Joey Image says, has Jay played Days Gone yet? No, he has not. <laughs> I will, I swear. I just, I haven't had time. I want to get it. I know it was on sale, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to pick it up. But yeah, Actraiser is just one of those games that like had some great ideas. And I, I, I put this in the same category of, um, like, uh, uh, Friday the 13th where it had great ideas. It's just the execution and the limitations of, I guess, the Super Nintendo. The limitations of the hardware at the time were just not conducive to make a good game. But I don't know. I think the Super Nintendo was capable of a lot more than what they did with this game. I just think they just... I don't know. It just feels like they just mucked it up too much. Like They, they were scared to... It felt... It feels like they were really scared to to really ma make it like micromanage, uh, like being able to micromanage stuff in the city building, and I felt like they just didn't put enough attention on um, making the controls tighter in the two D platforming areas, and I I feel like the bosses were just kind of I don't know like uh, the bosses. Like I said, they were they were so unbalanced. Like they were either really way too easy or they were way too hard. There was no kind of like, all right, I understand what this boss is doing. I'm gonna come back and and you know I I know the pattern now. There's no pattern to learn. It's just it was just luck. And then having to go through all that again at the end of the game, um, having to go through and I could only get through. I got to the fifth boss. Like the last, I think I must have gone through the end of the game, those six bosses, like five or six times. And I got to like the, the fifth boss and just couldn't get any further. And I was like, man, I'm just beating my head against the wall at this point. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, I was so over it by that point. It sounds like they couldn't really quite make up their mind of what they wanted this game to be. No. It's like they wanted to include this, but we want to include that too. And then sometimes not all the ingredients go together. Yeah. It sounds like that's the case with ActRaiser. And also, too, this was a launch title as well. Like, you know, this this came out when this, you know, this was, a, a, like I said, a Super Famicom game. So it was a launch title for the Super Nintendo in America. And um, maybe that's the reason why it just wasn't what it could have been because it was an early release. But then again, you look at Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, and that game is perfect in every way whatsoever. And this game, I feel like it had the potential to be um, in the same kind of class as A Link to the Past, like with what they were doing, because if they would have given me um, just a better RPG experience instead of just kind of like a surface-level like, all right, we're going to give you a platformer, a city builder, and an RPG, but we're not going to give you any of the fun parts of that stuff. We're just going to give you the surface, like, just skim the surface of everything and not really make it really not fun. <laughs> and that's just basically what I have to say about it. It's not fun. It's cool to look at. It's, you know, I love the fact that I have it in my library. I think it's worth having in the library because, like I said, it was a launch title. But am I ever going to play this again? 
Not a chance in hell. The funny thing is, I remember this game being a part of the Nick Arcade TV show back in the day because there was a section where kids could play games to like progress throughout the actual show. And I want to say one of them was ActRaiser. Oh, yeah? There was ActRaiser. There were some other ones. I actually put them on my list for um, future reviews. I think King of the Monsters was one. Um, obviously, they had like Sonic and they had a, a lot of Sega titles yeah. as well. But ActRaiser Act is like I think of Nick Arcade. And that was another thing, me and. Uh, when Rampage was uh, in the chat room watching me play, um, there were a couple other people in there too, but one of my biggest complaints was like, why is there a, a, like a point, like why is there points in this game? Like, why do I have, like, why, what is the point? Like, <laughs> it's not like it's Pac-Man where you're trying to get like a high score. Like, why do I have a score in this game like that's so stupid i don't know Th this game just sounds like one giant mess i don't, I don't know like i'm just sitting there I'm like what's the point of like uh, having a score in this game like it's like you wouldn't have a score in zelda like what what is the point of that i mean i could understand if you were collecting like um you know, experience points or something, but it doesn't even mm -hmm. do anything for you. It doesn't like give you an extra life or anything. I, I don't know. It's just, there's so much wrong with this game. <laughs> it's just, man, I don't know. Here's the thing. It's just so mediocre. It's, that's just it. It's just the most mediocre Super Nintendo game you can play. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a solid 5. Like, I was hoping you'd say a 5. Yeah, that's all it is. It's not horrible, but it's not good either. It's just straight across the board, like as middle-of-the-road, milk-toast, like RPG-style game you can play. And it's cool to... If you want it in the collection, I would recommend having it in the collection because when I think of the Super Nintendo... I think of ActRaiser because it was one of the first games I ever saw, but I, 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 it's not something you're going to want to play all the time. Rampage put it best. The points were pointless. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> no reason to have them at all. Oh, man. Well, that that's unfortunate because like, I, I thought ActRaiser would actually be a pretty good game. Like It was one that I was interested in playing. Yeah, I thought so too, and I was really excited to play it because I was like, man, this is one of those games that just I wanted to play, completely missed, and then got into it. And, ugh, man, by the time I got to through the last section and got to, you know, I got through the last boss and I was like, finally... I'm about to, to go up against the final boss of the game. And it's like, guess what? You get to fight all the bosses again. And I'm like, no. oh, no. <laughs> Please, no. Don't do this to me. And like I said, at least in Mega Man, that's a huge part of every single Mega Man game is having to fight all the bosses all over again. But at least Capcom has the common decency 
to refill the health bar after each boss. This game didn't do it. And for that, that's unforgivable. Completely unforgivable. You know better, Quintet. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a damn shame. Well, (laughs) maybe at some point whenever I review Soul Blazer, hopefully that'll be a a much better experience than you had with ActRaiser. And I've heard that ActRaiser 2 is actually pretty good, so I may give that a try if I can find a copy of it somewhere because I heard it's uh, all platforming. And it's way more fine-tuned. So I'd love to give it a try. Because like I said, the game itself is beautiful. Like the backgrounds. I saw a Danzig skull in the background. And I was singing Mother the whole time. It was awesome. (laughs) But man, the gameplay is awful. That's a shame. Yeah. Just real sticky controls. Like I hate games that feel sticky. Yeah. So I think that's going to be our new thing. Whenever we have a game that has bad controls, we're just going to call it sticky. I can get behind that. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, game was sticky. We're coming up on the end of the show. Is there anything else you would like to throw out for the people before we uh, before we get out of here? Yes. Yeah, so I, I know you know about this because I talked with you about it <laughs> earlier today. Rogue put high score. What's that? Did I break it? Did you ever see? <laughs> <laughs> Grandma's boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's well, so that high score? What does that mean? Did I break it? God, I love that movie so much. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Oh, that movie's so good. It's a fun one, though. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I know I, I talked with you about this, actually, earlier today. I did what is probably the most unique and arguably the most interesting episode of my show that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I interviewed, and I was on the fence about it, but I kind of said, you know what, screw it. If some people don't like it, I really don't care. I interviewed uh, two LGBTQ filmmakers about a documentary that they made about um, two friends who grew up in New Jersey. They grew up next door to each other, and they both... um, came out as transgender at the same time. So it's their story. And it's... The style of it... I mean, it was very guerrilla style. Like, they shot it with one camera, so it looks very raw, but I think that actually adds to the story. So it's... It's a really emotional documentary, and it was very eye-opening for me, so... Can't wait to see it. I um yeah I'll be posting that interview. Well, it'll be out. You know, if you're listening to this on the download, it's already out. So you can go to the Derek Diamond Experience to check that out. I'm also working on some other interviews that have more. I don't want to say more heart, but a little bit more of a deeper conversation. I'm in the process of getting an interview with a filmmaker who's also a psychotherapist, and we're going to talk about both documentary filmmaking and mental health. Oh, that's cool. So, I figure <clears throat> now is probably a good time to talk about that type of subject. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. So, I don't know when that's going to come out. I still haven't actually set up the interview yet, but if you want to keep track of what I'm doing over at my show, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. Uh, tonight, actually, uh, when you, if you're listening this to this on uh, uh, podcast form... 
uh, with the day it comes out. Then tonight, or if you're in the chat room right now, it's tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Open Micers podcast. We're going to have James C. Leary on the show who played Clem in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So you're going to want to be here for that. <clears throat> we go also, live. Also, Pensacon guest favorite, yes. James Leary. We go live at 7 p.m. Central, and we'll be right here on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash jfunktastic. So join us for that. Um, I think I may have a small tour coming up with uh, one of the other comedians here on the coast who uh, has been bouncing. He bounces back and forth between here and Arizona and is putting together a little tiny tour in August, so I may be joining him for that. So as soon as I hear... nice. Uh, something solid about that, I will let everyone know. But uh, but yeah, join us for the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash Open Micers. So join us here for that. And Derek, anything else before we get out of here tonight? I think I'm good. And uh, thanks all you guys for joining us in the chat room tonight. It was jumping in there tonight. I like it. Yeah. So let me play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We are at uh, nerdcaveretro on Instagram and Twitter. And individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can throw us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on here for us. And um, now that we're over the $50 level, we will do commentary tracks for you guys every month. So keep us above that level and we'll keep them coming for you. And if you can't do that, can't give us a buck a month, we understand. Times are hard. If you can't do that, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. You blow it! You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong.